You're listening to Something Real, connecting the reality of God to the realities of life. This week's Something to Talk About is a special episode because we had a very special guest, Suzanne Cole, who is Real Life Community Church's uh, missionary in Hungary. Uh, Suzanne works with an organization called OM. You can find out more about them. Uh, there's a link in the description of this podcast. And Suzanne talks a little bit about them uh, in our conversation today. But uh, I'll let the conversation speak for itself. If you haven't yet listened to Suzanne's message from this past Sunday, I definitely recommend that. Uh, but let's just get into the talk. Good morning, everyone. Um warning rich is not here so we'll see how this goes uh i have suzanne cole here though so i'm very excited Hello, hi suzanne. hi um if you have not yet listened to uh the message from this last sunday i encourage you to do that you can check it out on our facebook page um the actual live stream of it or here on the podcast um if you haven't uh you're probably wondering why suzanne's here. <laughs> But I'm excited. Uh, we're uh, hopefully going to, this is my first time kind of doing this by myself without Rich. So I'm going to try to uh, keep things reined in here. But I'm very excited to to talk to you, Suzanne, and uh, kind of elaborate and continue the message that, that you uh, gave to everybody on Sunday. Yeah, I'm so excited to talk a little do bit. Do you want to give uh, a little background about yourself to people who may not know? Sure. <laughs> yeah, if there's anybody uh, out there who doesn't uh, go to this church or know anything about this church, uh, my name is Suzanne Cole, and I we, am... We, I can look at the analytics on who sees the podcast, and yeah. some, it'll say, like, different parts of the world, and it'll be like, hungry. I'm like, ooh, hungry. Wait. That's, <laughs> that's me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I am a missionary with um, OM, which is a, a, a organization, an international organization based in... Um, I think we're based in Singapore officially now because that's where the head of the organization lives. Um, but um, yeah, I've been uh, living in Hungary, in Budapest, Hungary for nine years now. Uh, but I uh, grew up in Michigan. I um, uh, Rich, Pastor Rich is my brother-in-law. He's married to my sister Shelly. So uh, just long term, I'm one of the founding members of this church mm-hmm. actually um, back when I was in college. So just have a long history with real life and um and real life has been a partner with me from day one and you've you've spoken here a bunch of times yes yeah <laughs> i speak here almost every year yeah um every couple of years at least so, so one thing uh about about this year uh while you're home you mentioned at the start of of your talk on sunday that you were thinking about what you could do differently mm-hmm. because you know it's it's one thing to tell your story again and again and again mm-hmm. and there's i mean i think people love that but you were talking about what you wanted to do differently and and i loved your message on Sunday. It really connected with me. Um, and I really don't want to cry today. So let's try to Good look. reel that in. Um, but yeah, if, if I, you've got your outline in front of you, which yes. I'm, I'm glad yes. about. So um, if you want to just kind of dive into to the message you delivered this week, let's let's do it. Just give it all over again. Let's just do it. Yeah, please don't do that. I will. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, yeah, I mean, you just kind of get into this feeling like, especially as a teacher, like, I think that teacher missionaries, maybe, I don't know, I've never been anything but a teacher missionary, but Mm -hmm. it just feels like um, we do a lot of the same things over and over again. Like, our job, my job as a teacher and a missionary is to invest in the lives of my students, right, to speak uh, and live Jesus to my students. And we just do that every year. And you kind of do the same thing. You 
they come in September, you teach them your subject, you invest in their lives, you love on them, you do all these things, and then they go off uh, when they graduate and you hope that you have uh, pointed them toward Jesus, you mm -hmm. know, and, and sometimes you see the direct fruit of that and sometimes you don't. But when you come home and you try to tell people what you've been doing, it feels like you're giving the same talk right. over and over again. Right. You're just telling people the same thing. So this year I was like, you know, it's been nine years. What can I say that I haven't already said? Right. And, um, and I was kind of thinking through the year and realized that there were these three kind of really important moments um, this year, because this doesn't happen every year. I don't get asked to speak in chapel every year. Mm -hmm. I definitely don't get asked to get the, give the graduation speech, thank the Lord, every year, you know. And this was the first year as the head basketball coach. So I was like, you know, these three snapshots are kind of... Snapshots. <laughs> these three snapshots are, are a kind of a cool picture of how the year went. And then I thought, I started thinking, well, how could I connect them? Do they connect in any way? Because at right. first you think, no, yeah. they don't. Um, but I just started you know, kind of be like, God, if these connect, would you please show me how? And and it kind of just took me in the direction that I ended up going, um, which is this idea that, <clears throat> and I was thinking about this on the way over here, like when, when we're uncomfortable, that's when real growth happens. Mm -hmm. Because when we're comfortable, we're just doing our thing, you know, everything's good, we're comfortable there's in our situation. There's nothing forcing you to move. Right, there's nothing that's kind of pushing me to do anything other than what I'm doing. Right. And so we sit in kind of this complacency mm -hmm. and we're just like, yeah, everything's great. Mm -hmm. It's when we get uncomfortable that we are like, I don't know what to do. I'm not qualified for this, I don't know how to do this. And then we go, oh wait, God, God's there, you know? And then we remember uh, him. Sometimes, you know, that's kind of how we get. And so. Yeah, like these things, these three things that I did this year make me really uncomfortable. And um, and so having to choose to say yes to those and and figure out how to do that, um, you know, really increased my reliance on him this year and allowed me to just really speak into my students as well about that very thing and about then the specific topics that each of these situations were about. But... Um, so let's yeah. go through these these snapshots, as you call them. So the first one. Yeah, so the first one was speaking in chapel. So mm -hmm. we, we have chapel on Wednesdays, um, and it's just like 45 minutes. It's, it replaces one of our classes. And mm -hmm. um, our students lead worship. Our students plan the chapels, and, um, and they get the speakers. And so um, they'll bring in um, parents who are missionaries. So there's a lot of Bible scholars that come in and teach. Um, they'll ask teachers, right? And so they'll ask all these different people. And I'm obviously not a Bible scholar. I'm not a theologian. I didn't major in Bible or anything like that. So when they ask me to do a Bible-based chapel talk, I don't like that. <laughs> it makes me really uncomfortable because I don't feel qualified. I right. don't feel like I know enough. That's scary. Like, yeah. especially when you're talking about the Bible. Right. Like, you don't want to screw, screw it up. It up. Right. Exactly. You don't want to mess it up and tell them Especially something that's not kids. theologically right. sound. Right. And what's even worse is that there are people sitting in the audience who, who are Bible know. scholars, right, right. Who, and you're like, <laughs> I'm, I'm watching their faces while I'm talking, going, please, please don't be shaking your head at me like I'm saying <laughs> something really wrong. Like... <laughs> uh, my, my roommate happens to be one of those oh, Bible nice. scholars, so <laughs> I ask her for help a lot. But uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, so they asked me to do that on um, a series called... Um, small story, big impact. And so they were looking at different characters from the Bible who are just very small, mm -hmm. rarely mentioned. And in fact, 
of the ones in the series, I probably did the biggest story. Mm-hmm. And I even said that when I started. I said, she actually doesn't have that small of a story. But I don't care. I'm going so to talk about her anyway. <laughs> yeah, actually, one of my students had just said a couple weeks before that we were doing something in civics class, and he gave me this really random answer that wasn't really related to my question. Right. And I was like, what are you doing? And he goes, don't let the question constrain your answer. Oh. And so I was like, that's a good idea. So that then I, when I chose Hagar, I was like, I, I'm going to use that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I can't even remember um, the other people, but they're very small. Like they get one just, verse in the Bible. You can overlook them easily. Yeah. So, but I was just so um, amazed at her story and, and um, what God did for her, uh, especially considering her status, like mm-hmm. who she was, which was nobody. She mm-hmm. was nobody. And um, for those of you, if you don't know, you can find Hagar's story in Genesis uh, 16 and 21, but basically 12 to 21 is the whole story um, of Abraham and Sarah and their um, settling in Canaan and their life trying to have a baby and then uh, going through Egypt, getting in trouble. Like Abram gets in trouble a bunch of times and there's all kinds of stuff going on. Um, but just this idea that um, that God makes promises to us, right? He makes the promise to Abraham in, in Genesis 15, the, Ab- the Abrahamic covenant, where he says, I will make a great nation of you. Um, I will, you know, provide for your descendants. I mean, I I don't know the the exact wording, but he promises this thing to Abraham. And Abraham's like, I don't even have a kid. Like, what are you talking about? He says, my servant is going to inherit everything I own because I don't even have any children. And God's like, I'm going to make it happen. I said it, I'm going to do it. And then uh, Hagar kind of gets thrown into the middle of the story and and she gets pregnant and it turns into a total disaster and she ends up having to run away. And because she's been basically oppressed by her owners, she's a slave by her owners to the point that she cannot stand it for mm-hmm. one more second. And so she runs away and God shows up to her in the desert and he He says, I am going to make a, a nation out of your descendants. I'm going um, to protect you here and I want you to go back and I want you to submit and I want you to do what I've told you to do and be faithful to me in that. And and it's kind of amazing because she's not a Jew. Right. She's not, you know, she's not a man, which also is a is a is a thing. <laughs> she, you know, like she she's nothing. Right. And and she uh, has no rights to anything. She doesn't even have rights to this baby, mm-hmm. you know? And so but she does it. She submits and she's so amazed by what he has said to her that she recognizes a characteristic of him, of God, and she names it. She calls him Elroy, which is the God who sees, and she says, have I really seen the one who sees me? And uh, um, nobody in the Bible has done that. Yeah, that was a cool point. Yeah, nobody I, because, else in the Bible, as far as I can tell, does that. Right. So Because you don't, you don't think of that. You think it's, right. it's God and everybody, right. you know. But right. giving him an actual name, that's... That's really something for such a small character to have a big impact. Right, exactly. (laughs) And like that speaks to the character of God too, because all of us um, can do that. Like when we look and we say, who is God? Like there was a long period of time where for me, God was provider, Mm -hmm. you know, or God is protector. God is, who is God to me? Mm -hmm. And I can name that. Yeah, and and recognize who he is for me. So, but getting to the 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 meat of that story, I guess yeah. is God told Hagar that he had a plan for yeah. her, and and I'm sure she was terrified. Yeah, I mean, so much so that she ran out to the desert, <laughs> and 
not understanding what that plan is going to be, not understanding how it was going to come to fruition, she went back, she obeyed, she remained faithful. Right. And if we're looking at that from you know today's standpoint, that's sometimes still just as terrifying mm -hmm. so much so that you want to run out into the desert. Right. And I think we can all relate to, to at some point in our lives going through something where we just full on don't understand what mm -mm. God's plan is. Mm -mm. Why am I here? Why is this happening? How could any good possibly come from this? Mm -hmm. Blah, blah, blah. So I think uh, being able to connect those two is, is really important to recognize how we need to stay faithful for mm -hmm. God's plans today. Yeah. And, um, and I love, I mean, I'll, uh, the, it connects to Habakkuk too, which I forgot to talk about on Sunday. So I talked about that. You a have little the bit opportunity today. now. <laughs> yeah. Um, because then, you know, 15 years later, she goes back to the desert because they kick right. her out again. Right. And God shows up and he says, and she's sitting there she's like, crying. crying in the desert again. Ishmael's dying and yeah. she's crying. And he's like, what God, the angel shows up again and says, what are you doing? And she's like, well, I'm just waiting here to die. And he's like, don't you remember? I made you a promise. I said that I was going to do this and I'm going to do it. And it would be easy for her to think that it didn't matter anymore because Abraham had gotten Isaac, Abraham right. had gotten his right. son, that she would think that her son doesn't matter. Right. But God goes back and he says, no, no, I made you a promise and it will come to fruition. I will right. make it happen. Right. And, uh, and he does exactly that. You know, she goes off into the desert. They go, they go off and we never hear her name again. Mm -hmm. um, but we know that there were Ishmaelites. We know that there mm -hmm. were Hagarites. And we know today that we can trace the, the lineage to the line to Muhammad, mm -hmm. the, the founder of Islam, which is a whole nother uh, deal. Tune you know? in next time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so but Habakkuk is basically the same way. Like I love Habakkuk. It's super funny because uh, chapter one of Habakkuk, he's just like railing at God. And he's like, where are you? There's death and destruction and violence everywhere. And you're doing nothing. And I thought you were going to take care of us. And I mean, he's just griping. Right. And he finishes griping and he goes, I go now to my watchtower to wait your response. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, <laughs> that is bold, right. <laughs> you know? And, um, and God responds and he's like, uh, I told you I have a plan. Right. Be patient. Yeah. He says, this, is, this will happen. All of these people who are doing evil, they will get what's coming to them, and the righteous will be restored. And he kind of lets Habakkuk have it, sort of like in Job. Um, he lets him have it kind of like, who do you think you are? Right. Um, and Habakkuk sits back and he goes, oh, merciful one. <laughs> like, I, in your mercy, you have saved us. But he says, if there are no trees, there's no fruit on the trees, there's no crops in the field, there's nothing. If there is nothing left, I will rejoice mm -hmm. because you have saved us. You have saved me and you're sovereign. So he kind of flips the script a little bit. And um, I really like that. Like joy yeah. in the waiting right. of, of recognizing that God. That's a hard to thing patient. to do. Yeah. Especially when you, you know, one thing I've, I've struggled with personally is it's not my timeline. It's God's timeline. Yeah. And when we look at our limited, you know, peripheral or not peripheral, our tunnel vision of, mm -hmm. uh, you know, this is my life and I need to take control and I need to keep moving forward. And if my timing of things doesn't, doesn't uh, match up with God's timing thing, that's, that's sometimes a hard pill to swallow. It's really frustrating. <laughs> right. Right. You're like, it's, I want this to happen yeah. now. It has caused me, uh, to have a few shouting matches in my car with, with God, although he doesn't shout back, but I, yeah, because so it, it's that crazy lady in your car yeah. <laughs> at the stoplight. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it is really frustrating because we just, yeah, I mean, 
I, I say, sometimes I tell him, I say, okay, God, I'm going to leave this piece of paper on the table and I'm going to walk away. And when I come back, you're going to have written down right, exactly. what I need to know, right. what you want me to do, where I'm supposed to go. Yeah, but he doesn't work like you that. You come back and it's still blank. Because, yeah. and, and this is something I said uh, to somebody the other day, like we only view the world in, in terms of our capabilities. Like right. this and can only happen based on how I understand things right. to work. And that's not how God works. And like, our brains are very tiny. Right, very <laughs> tiny. And and we can't understand right. true omnipotence and true omniscience and everything that he is. We can't even begin to comprehend that. And so we want to put on him our own capabilities mm-hmm. and say, well, obviously that can't happen. Right. Well, that's just because we don't know anything. Well, and our capabilities are limited. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so when we, we just have to sit back and go, you know what? I don't know anything. Right. Uh, and I just need to trust. Another thing that's not easy, especially in Western culture, to, yeah. to admit. <laughs> we want to, you know, be like, oh, we know everything. Right. And we can do anything and blah, right. blah, blah. And that's that's hard to give up. Yes. So Very much. I'm with you on that. For sure. <laughs> so in, in the sake of keeping things going yeah. here. Your second point here. Yeah. So basically what it, what it drew me to is that if God has a plan mm-hmm. and I can trust that, like I can let go and trust that God has a plan and that he's working it to completion. Maybe I don't know exactly what that plan is for my life, but I do know the ultimate plan. You understand that, you're right. accepting it. And, yes. and because God is sovereign, his ultimate plan is reconciliation to himself. And when I've chosen life with him, that's going to happen, right? I am, I am going to be reconciled to him. I am going to spend eternity with him. So I can rest easy in that knowledge, right? And so when I can let go and trust in his plan, I have a new purpose. My purpose isn't now any longer to solve my own problems or to figure out God's will for my life or uh, to figure out exactly what I'm supposed to be doing all the time. Right. Instead, my purpose is to say, who am I in him? Mm-hmm. And how does that impact my life? And so the second thing that it really led me to was that my purpose while I'm on this earth is to live out of the identity that he created in me, that he gave me when I chose him when I chose to live for him. And so that led us into basketball season. And um, I was head coach for the first time, and I didn't really want to do that. I don't have a strategic mind for basketball. I'm better as an assistant coach, I think. Um, but I, I thought, as long as I'm going to be here with these girls, then then we're going to talk about who we are. Because right. it's so, especially for high school girls, they're just tearing each other down all yeah. the time. And as great as our kids are, they still do that. Yeah. You know, they're, they're good that's kids. That's the time where you're trying to figure still... out who you are. Right. <laughs> and so it was just like, okay, then we need to start telling ourselves truth right. about who we are. Right. And not, I don't want to hear you talking about you're dumb, you're ugly, you're fat, you're whatever. No, you are God's child. Mm-hmm. You are beloved by him. You are powerful. You are all of these things because you have chosen him. Uh, and so that's basically our job is to live out of that, to right. be who I am, forgiven and free, joyful, hopeful, all of these things that he says we are because we are his. Uh, and that really just frees you up, you know, because you're not so worried. You don't have to worry so much um, because you're just saying, OK, but am I living out of who he created me to be? And if I am, it's all good. Another thing that's not easy because yeah. it requires letting go of literally everything that surrounds you all the time. Right. The, the culture, right. Mm-hmm. you know, and I think you know, kudos to you because I feel like that would be especially hard with teenage girls. <laughs> but it's it's a it goes back to the first point. It's a letting go of yeah. of 
understanding the world around you and right. just focusing on this him. is who the world says right. i am right. this is who he says i am right so, so this it's doesn't no matter. sweat right yeah. but it's not easy i mean it's easy it's, for me to sit here and talk about right. it it's easy for us to say yeah i'm a child but, of god yeah. <laughs> but when the you know things hit hit the fan then it's it's harder right and but what i found is that consistent reminding reminding yeah. myself that i'm a child of god every time i get frustrated every time things aren't going my way every time i feel tempted tempted to go that way and and even when things are going great, reminding myself of who I am. So that's that almost when, harder to do when right. things are going and great. And so when things are bad, I remember that because I've been doing it. I've mm -hmm. been reminding myself who I am. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's why we made that a real focus. So that when it happened, when the hard situation happened right. that I talked about on Sunday, they were ready because we'd spent the whole season already talking about who they were. Yeah, you shared the story about um, your your team playing this nationally ranked yeah. Russian team and and essentially getting clobbered yes <laughs> but it was but but the the beauty in that story was that by that I don't know what was that late in the season or just... uh yeah pretty close yeah pretty close so to the, the, the beauty in that was that obviously you'd, you'd been you know working toward this obviously your basketball game your skills but but teaching them who they were mm -hmm. so by the time it gets to that point where it is a hard thing and I'm sure you know it was not easy to see the scoreboard going right. up for those girls right. but the, the story you told and, and that you shared about them uh, uh, coming out of a huddle and just you saw like a like a switch flip mm -hmm. in in their reactions yeah. and from that point on you know right. they were they were reflecting right. uh, Christ right. to the other team. And they, and they weren't not reflecting right, right, Christ right, before right. then, but, but just horrible. the smiles right. came back, you know? The, the, so much so that the other team even right, noticed. Right, Which is the point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah, and it's, 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 and that's really, I think, the, the value of remembering in the good times, which we are, it's so hard to do because mm -hmm. we get complacent. Complacency is, you know, is death, I think. And, but... When, then when the I said on Sunday when the rubber hits the road, and and things get hard, you have the foundation. You're ready for it rather than going. Okay, now I need to go to my Bible and I need to rely on God. Right. When you're saying, well, no, I already know who I am right. because I've been telling myself that all along. I've been getting into who He says I am all along. So when things get hard and people question that or they threaten that. I'm more prepared. And they will. Yeah. Because when you're in hard times, I think I find that that's the the time when people see an opportunity to bring you down even more. Where's your mm -hmm. God now? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, how can you still believe in a God mm -hmm. that would do this? Why mm -hmm. would God allow this ha to happen to you? So having that foundation and having that strength built up in the good times, mm -hmm. I think that's even more important than, yeah. than just, yeah. you know, scrambling through the Bible in your bad times trying yeah. to find some kind of solace. Yeah, it's really true. Humans are really good at kicking each other when we're down. It's you true. know, we're, We we're... could have a whole other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we're really good at being nasty. <laughs> But but uh, reflecting that reality of Christ in, yeah. in the hard times can also be, it's talking about uncomfortable things, can also be an uncomfortable thing mm. because you're not sure how people are going to react to that. And in your situation with, with this team, you know, seeing people in the crowd, people on the other team react so positively and, and obviously sensing something from that. I thought mm. that was really awesome. Yeah. Because... Oftentimes yeah, that's really cool. that's a scary thing, be, trying to reflect that because you might think I could lose this person as a friend, mm -hmm. I could lose this person as a family member, and that's mm -hmm. happened I think mm -hmm. to most of us. Yeah, uh, because you're just the crazy Jesus person. Right. So, I really like that story. Yeah. <laughs> as uncomfortable as it may have been at the time. Yeah. So then uh, number three, 
Let's get into that. Yeah. So basically if I, so going back to the beginning, if I trust God's plan, if I trust that God has a plan, then I can step back and I can just say, okay, then what is my purpose in that? What is my purpose in uh, helping God in a sense? Because God doesn't need my help but I still have a a responsibility as his child. Mm -hmm. And so my purpose then is to live out of the identity that he's created um, in me. And when I'm doing that, then then it has to become a a priority. Like what his his ways have to become the priority. Um, And so that means that regardless of what people might think of me or what might happen, my priority is to fulfill the greatest commandment, right? To make disciples of all nations well how am I going to do that I'm going to stand up for God and I'm going to speak up Mm -hmm. for God regardless of what might happen to me regardless of the consequences uh because that's what he's called me to do he's called me to make disciples of all nations and if I refuse to tell people about what he has done and what he will do for them I'm not making any disciples I'm just living my life trying to keep peace right you know and it's like I I don't want to start any fights right but I and you might. Wanna, right. I do want to be honest with you <laughs> right. about what will happen to you. Like right. what's coming if you don't recognize uh, what you're stuck in. Right. You, know? you, you mentioned the, the uh, quote from Pendulette. Yeah. Um, who is a, a renowned atheist. He yeah. makes that very well known. Yeah. Um, but but even he recognized that, you know, if, if you believe that you know the, the key to, you know, everlasting life and, and freedom then how much how much must you hate somebody to not share that with right. them and to that's really the yourself. bottom line right yeah and going back to the previous point um not always easy you you might lose people you mm-hmm. might you might get criticized you mm-hmm. might uh i think in some cases you could even you know lose your profession mm-hmm. lose lose you could lose everything mm-hmm. but that's the point isn't mm-hmm. it <laughs> yeah and i mean it's really it, it's it's scary you know when um and it's easy, I think it's easy for me to sit here and talk about it. I work in a Christian school. I live among right. Christians. You know, right. it's not that hard for me to stand up and speak. Right. And there are people all over the world who are literally dying mm-hmm. for Christ, mm-hmm. who are speaking up and are dying mm-hmm. daily. Um, and and so I, I do think, like, in America, you know, we like to... to talk about persecution and stuff we have no idea what persecution is really like and um somebody saying something on facebook is not persecution right (laughs) it might feel like it sometimes but but people out there are are like you said literally being tortured and and killed for their faith um and they are so strong and it's just amazing and and um i don't we we probably don't have a lot of time left but um i read this rich never worries (laughs) (laughs) i read this article um about a, a family from the Middle East, a couple from the Middle East, and I, I can't remember um, all of it, but she was talking about they moved, to, they, were, they were Christians in the Middle East, which is not a right. real safe place to be a Christian, and they moved to the U.S. Um, for a while, and after a couple of years, she went to her husband and she begged him to go back to the Middle East because she said, this place is dangerous mm-hmm. because the Christians are sleeping. They're not paying attention. <laughs> they they are complacent. They are, uh, as she said, we got to get out of here before it destroys us. And they moved back to the Middle East. And there's a lot more to the story. Sure. But just that um, the 
that we're, yeah, Christians are in, in the U.S. because we're comfortable, because we are the majority. Now, and people will say that we're not comfortable. You look at the political situation and you look at, at the attacks, and I think we're getting less comfortable, and I think that's good. Mm-hmm. I think Christians need to be less comfortable mm-hmm. in America because then they'll stand up and, and speak. And there's, um, there's become this kind of, I think especially in North America, this kind of skewed vision of what Christians really are. That's true. That's really true. Um, and who are actual Christians. Right. And like it, that's, that's what I mean by right. Christians can't even agree with each other. Right. And, um, and I actually saw a, a person on Twitter, they were talking about voting patterns and things like that. We're not going to get into politics, <laughs> but talking about voting patterns and how much evangelicals vote and that evangelicals, because they're a large part of the voters, uh, are really controlling the vote, but they're actually a smaller percentage of the population. Mm. And she actually called evangelicals a small, um, what did she call them, extremist cult so now evangelical Christians are being thought of by some in America as a cult. I'm like, that scared me. That is scary. I was like, we need to do something about and that. And that mindset could very easily continue to grow. Right. But we need to be, the, the biggest thing when you think about any of this, about speaking up for God, standing strong for God, is the concept of relationship, right? right? It doesn't do any good for me to stand on the street corner and scream at people. Repent the end is near. Right, <laughs> exactly. Because we have to speak truth in our relationships. And that's right. what, you know, this church is all about that, right? right? Reflecting Christ in relationships. Because mm-hmm. that's where when when people know your heart, they know you and they know your heart, they're going to be much more willing to listen to you right. when you talk about this faith that you have. Right. Whereas when you're just telling strangers in an aggressive way that right. they're going to go to hell if they don't repent. Or you know, someone like, you don't know, like yeah. you're trying to, you know, have And a it's serious, not that you right. shouldn't do that, right. but, but the key is really to speak through relationship, to mm-hmm. speak in love through relationship to people that that you care about and that know that you care about them because they're going to be more responsive to you then. And I think that's some of what we've lost, uh, yeah. where I get the most frustrated uh, with Christians who have microphones in this country, right? Well, Is that the because they're celebrities or leadership or whatever they are. These and mega, they, pastors of mega churches. Yeah, they or, aren't always speaking through relationship and right. they're not always speaking right. in love. And, and I think that we could do better. But what, I don't, I mean, what do I know? But... That's Some just things. kind of a feeling I have, <laughs> you know, but but it's still they're they're speaking up and, yeah. and that's what God needs from us. He he not he doesn't need, but that's what our priority has to be to say this is this is what God has done for me and I need to tell you about it. Mm-hmm. Because if I don't tell you about it, who will? Even if it makes you uncomfortable. Right. I can't just assume that that somebody else will do it. Right. You know, so I need to to get over my uncomfortableness. And the thing is, what I love about God is that if you pray for God to make you more comfortable with that. He's not just going to go, okay, right. I make and you more comfortable now. It. He's going to put people in your way mm-hmm. that will force you to do what makes you uncomfortable. Right. You know, you pray for patience. He's not going to make you patient. Right. He's going to put an annoying kid in front of you right. that you have to be patient with. Right. You know, And so the same thing, if you are praying for God to make you more bold and more comfortable, what he's going to do most likely is give you opportunities to be bold right. when you're uncomfortable. You know, that's why, like, with speaking, for me, I've never liked speaking. Um, I used to be terrified. Thanks ter- for being on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I used to be terrified of it. But what God has done is continually placed opportunities in front of me right. where I've had to do it. And so, so I... So if you look back, you know, you said this is your 10th year of teaching. Yeah. Uh, from, from how you felt about that when you started to today. Right. 
it's probably a complete 180. Oh, yeah. If they'd asked me to speak at graduation my first couple of years, I would have said absolutely not. Right. No question. I would have said no. Right. And but, it's not just because God magically gave you the, you know, the ability to right. speak in front of people. It's right. years of putting situations right. in front of me where I had to. You probably didn't like a lot of them. No, I don't like any of them. <laughs> <laughs> but look where you are now. Yeah. Just more, slightly more comfortable with it. <laughs> so 10 years, slightly more comfortable. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. we are uh, running out of time here, but I want to make sure that um, if you want to, um, if you want to give uh, a little plug about OM or, or oh, sure. anything like that before we go to, and I'll put some information in the description okay. um, as well. Right. So, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mentioned on Sunday, my mission is OM, which used to stand for, I think it still officially stands for Operation Mobilization, but. That but, makes sense. It's called OM. <laughs> um, intelligently, the, right. you know, Campus Crusade has done the same thing. The The mission organizations have gone away from words that sound like going into battle. Sure. Uh, because that makes us sound a little militant. Uh, so Campus Crusade is now crew and mm. Operation Mobilization mostly just goes by OM. Um but yeah, so I everything I do, like I my existence over there is completely funded by partnerships with people, uh, with the church and with individuals, um, and uh, I'm doing okay in that area. I uh, I raised support a couple of summers ago, and since then I have lost a few partners. Uh, so I am always looking for new partners, uh, whether that be one-time gifts, annual gifts, monthly. There's lots of different ways that you can do that. Um, uh, mostly it's all online now these days, so uh, you can go to www.omusa.org forward slash give. I'll put that in the description. Yeah, but their main main website is just omusa.org. You can see what the OM right. is doing around the world. Um, it's, a, it's like, I think we've gone way down. We were at like 6,000 missionaries. Now I think we're about 3,000 because India broke off and became uh, their own organization. Gotcha. Because they had 3,000 missionaries just by themselves. Right. Wow. So um, now one of the smaller organizations. But um, yeah, so you can learn more about the organization. But also um, you can maybe reply in the comments to this podcast or send me a to, er, on, to the live stream or send me an email. If you're not on my update list, um, I just need your email address and I can add you to it. I send out monthly, well, <laughs> mostly monthly updates. Monthly-ish. <laughs> Um, just about what's going on or events at the school, things you can be praying about. So Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll put all of that in the description. Um, you're here for about another month or so, right? Yeah, till September 10th. All right. So uh, if you have any questions for Suzanne uh, in the next month or so, or even after, um, feel free to email the podcast, leave a comment here, leave a comment on the uh, Real Life Facebook page. Yeah. and Find me on Facebook, whatever. We will relay them to Suzanne. But thank you yeah. for coming on today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Rich, we hope you feel better. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening.